We have to mention those shorts that Ian was wearing on Friday night in Glasgow. Um, is he getting those tailor-made or something? I think they're painted, are they? <laughs> <laughs> painted on. House of Rugby Ireland, here on Joe. Game changed. Hello and welcome to House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe and I'm Emer Constantine and I'm joined in studio by Fergus McFadden and James Tracy Leinster and Ireland Hooker. James has gladly come in and kindly agreed to stay and do the full show with us after even Elizabeth picked up a concussion and unfortunately can't join us on the show today. Thank you so much for coming in, James. No worries, Emer. Thanks for having us. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about the Pro 14 and we're going to mention the reports linking the Jaguars to a surprise switch to European rugby. But we'll start with your game at the weekend. Um, how are you feeling? How's the body going after that? Yeah, all good. Uh, glamorous fixture in, uh, in Rodney Parade. Um, yeah, we've had a, like it's a bit of a banana skin to, to go there and, um, and lose some points. So we're, we're delighted to come out of there with a, with a bonus point win. Um, we conceded a, a decent few tries, so it's plenty, uh, plenty of work to be done there. But um, yeah, the uh, with the conditions, we're pretty happy with, uh, with five points. Is that their usual type of like tactics, just to slow teams like Leinster down? Uh, I think it's everyone's like tactics to slow the other team down. Um, but yeah, the conditions definitely didn't uh, lend themselves to like a, a free flowing game and. Um, the pitch was like uh, it was like a mirage. You, you walked out, you looked like it was like perfectly flat, and then you put your foot in, and it was like water coming up around your feet, and that slows you down a bit. But um, no, we d we dug in and, and um, got a good result. So yes, happy the away year. fixture though, like it's definitely one that I don't miss from, <coughs> from retiring. Like we were talking just before we came on the show, Trace, that like I think it was one time in the ten years where we went away, and I remember it being sunny over there. So. Always a tough one, particularly at this time when the lads have a lot of the internationals away. But in fairness, the depth that the boys have at the moment. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good performance by the lads. And is it still strange walking out into the, the crowd or like lack of crowd, like walking onto the pitch? Does, does it feel like a training session or are you well used at this stage that this is how this is how it is? Yeah, it's never going to be normal, I think. Um, I said before, like it's like even at an under fives game, like if your parents roaring at you, running up and down the sideline yeah. or whatever, and like gives you a bit of atmosphere. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's not great to be honest. You still have Ron O'Donnell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only running up and down the side. He but, gets pretty uh, vocal, to be honest. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, apart from the the bit the bit of energy you get from the from the lads um, in the extended squad and, and the backroom staff, like it's it's pretty dead to be honest, and probably not something anyone wants to get used to. No, and I think I think for viewers at home, it's nice to hear that like the, what goes on in, in the scrums and the ref chat and G, and you can actually hear almost everything. It's it's nice. It's a different type of thing that like play, people like us at home wouldn't have got to to watch or to hear, and you can really like see the leaders and hear the leaders, I suppose, through the mic, and um, which is a, which is a nice thing as well. Um, for the main talking point about this game, I suppose, was that the two Byrne brothers were starting together, one at ten and one at twelve. How do you think that went? Yeah, well, I saw Harry was poking a bit of fun at Ross on Instagram there. He put up a picture of the two of them standing side by side and saying, um, good to, to teach the, the wee man a couple of things or something like that, um, which is funny because I think he's a small bit taller than him. But yeah, it was, <laughs> it was cool to see the Byrne brothers um, get a game starting together because, you know, Ross proved that um, he can, you know, play, play 12 or 13. Like, he, he, he filled in in that game, I think around a month ago, and had a great game there. Um, 
that's you know we all know the tennis is best position but sometimes if you can get those two distributors on the on the field like it's very very hard and I know that game wouldn't be a good example because it was so hard to throw the ball around yeah. but um yeah exciting I'd say it could be a bit more comfortable at the Sunday dinners if they're both in the team as opposed to them trying to kick each other off the team so can you see the rivalry of training between them uh it's brotherly rivalry I don't think it's like a direct rivalry but even if they're like uh, they play like cricket in their living room and stuff like that. Like they're always competing with each other. Um, but it's all in in, uh, in good jest or whatever. Which yeah, like on the golf course in the living room. I think the uh, the competition never stops the two of them. But uh, luckily for us, they're both um, pretty good at everything they do. So we're we're benefiting from that. Absolutely. Um, can you tell that that um, like from a long time people have been speaking about Harry Byrne and Ross Byrne, obviously, but more so people talking about Harry before he even made it. Like how. Hard is that as a player that people are looking at Harry for the, as the next, you know, Irish out half, and he that was his, you know, first time starting with Ross. He hasn't has he played Champions Cup? Has he started a Champions Cup yet? No. No, so, yeah, he's starting the Northampton yeah, game. Pulled out, pulled out yeah, with back spasm. Back spasm. Mm. But like, it's a lot to, you know, there's a lot been put on his shoulders, and he hasn't even been on that stage yet. Yeah, well, I think he'd be the first to admit like he's he's behind Ross so like you know people can say what they want in the media and stuff like that but Ross is Ross is ahead of of Harry and he's proved himself over a number of years now he's almost like a bit of a leader in there uh, uh you know a younger level but the same as Johnny you know he marshals the boys really well and I'm sure Harry is still learning off him so uh Harry's had great performances for Leinster with the opportunity he's gotten but there's a stepping stone to it you know he does have to play a couple of times at European level, I think, to, to kind of prove himself before people start talking about him in a, in a test um, environment. Yeah, and there's a lot of players like that, that, you know, there's a lot of pressure put on them and they still haven't done the step-by-step. And I'm not saying you have to do a step-by-step approach and you have to tick this box and this box and this box to get there, but it would definitely help as a player to, like, have it behind your head, you know, I'm good enough to be here because I've done X, Y and Z as opposed to being thrown in to the deep end. Yeah, I think, like, that's the great thing about sport, isn't it, that we can all kind of talk about the different possible combinations and what's the most exciting and what's going to work, um, whether it's rugby or football or whatever, and um, everyone's entitled to their own opinion on that. And, um, yeah, as I said, like, we're just lucky that, like, they're both class in, in their own way. Um, so, yeah, so lucky to, lucky to have both of them on our, on our team. Another man I think you're very lucky to have is Jack Conan, another <coughs> man of the match performance from him at the weekend. Is he somebody that we could see being brought into the Irish squad ahead of the Italian game? Yeah, it's delighted for Jack. He put in another big performance um, and it shows his kind of character that he's done so after being left out by Ireland and he's had a tricky year with injury. You know, he picked up uh, a man of the match performance against the Scarlets away and again against the Dragons. Like two tough games when, you know, people forget during this time, even though Leinster have such strength and depth, like when there's guys coming in from camp that haven't been in using different calls, other guys that were there and the disruption throughout a week can be quite hard to put you know an all-round performance in I think uh, I think Jack is getting back to his to his best again I've no doubt he will get plenty more caps into the future but um, I'd say you, you'd, you'd be looking at an injury before he breaks back into the Irish squad because uh, Andy seems fairly happy with the back rows that are there yeah absolutely Ulster had another great win away 19-13 over Glasgow Warriors with Craig Gilroy and Mike Lowry getting the all-important tries um, they unfortunately didn't manage to get the bonus point. How I suppose lucky or unlucky for them, you know, as a Leinster man, they're right behind you. They really, really needed that um, bonus point win to stay within reach of you guys. 
Yeah, there's still plenty of season to go, though. Um, uh, it's obviously not the perfect uh, outcome for them, but um, they're a really good side and um, they'll keep taking over like they've had a really good season so far. So I'm sure there'll be plenty more opportunities to pick up points. Absolutely. And 11th, <coughs> an 11th try assist of the season for John Cooney. Um, he's doing all he can in an Ulster jersey, really, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's Listen, he's just got a few strings to his bow, doesn't he, that, that other nines... Um, maybe, sorry, in terms of the kicking that other yeah. nines maybe don't really, really have. But in saying that, Luke McGrath was outstanding for, for Leinster as well. So I think when you look at those two scrum halves, it shows the depth we have there. And, um, you know, those guys just got to keep, keep knocking on the door. I think Luke, again, played brilliant um, yeah. the other night and against the Scarlets. And John Cooney's been playing brilliantly for Ulster. So um, Who's to say that, that one of those two guys wouldn't break back into the Irish squad before the end of the Six Nations if there's an injury or two? Especially with Conor Murray, I suppose, with that hamstring injury as well. That you know, We don't know how bad it is, really. Um, but we must mention our very own Ian Madigan, and he was one of the standout players for Ulster at the weekend, starting at out half and really pulling the strings. He even uh, played a bit of emergency scrum half near the very end of the game. Um, he was actually third-choice scrum half in that 2015 World Cup. Yeah, he was probably in Joe's ear there before Joe picked the squad to go. Over going, yeah, you know, I, I can, can play, play there. Half and a goal kick and X, Y, and Z. But I think he actually, did, I think Mads did play. I'm sure he'll he'll tell us when he's back on the show definitively. But I think he did play nine for quite a bit when he was growing up because right we all know he's a bit of a short arc. <laughs> but uh, sure, his skills are so good. You can kind of throw Mads in any. He is one of those players you could throw him in any position in the uh, in the back line. So I, I definitely say he'd rate himself as a nine as well. We have to mention those shorts that Ian was wearing on Friday night in Glasgow. Um, is he getting those tailor-made or something? I think they're painted, are they? <laughs> <laughs> painted on them. Yeah, he must have, he must have been rummaging through yeah. um, Anna, his, his fiance's uh, drawers before he got yeah. out there or something. Anna's a makeup artist. I think she might have painted them on uh, before he went, out, went over. But, uh, yeah, they're, listen, if you've if you got to flaunt them, flaunt them. You are, like, he, he's rocking it, so let He absolutely off. is. He's proud of them, for sure. Um, on Saturday, the Irish province has made it four from four as Munster beat Edinburgh and Connacht had a bonus point win over Cardiff. Um, James, did you happen to see any of those games? Uh, I caught it at the end of the, the Connacht game. Um, I think the, the weather forecast was due to be pretty bad and it, it wasn't as bad as a bit of win, but... Um, they did pretty well. They just muscled them up at the end of the game, really, and and, um, and kind of like put the pressure on them that way and um, got a few tries, so it was good. Alex Wooten is a winger that I think you would have seen in your nightmares, I think, with the speed that he has. Um, did Not you play against him? <laughs> yeah, what are you trying to say? Like? He's just how slow he is. He's always sorry, I forgot, <laughs> he's he's always, I forgot you were Usain Bolt yourself. I just... <laughs> I just, um, I'm just going on what you said, you know. slow like you, obviously. Very as, as someone with a headband that just can't run very quickly. And you know, winger with a headband, come on. <laughs> you know, thought he was in the second row there. Um, just, you know, you said with your retirement and that, you know, that these kind of players are the ones that, you know, gave you the nudge on the way out. But did you ever play against Alex Wooten? He actually had two tries at the weekend. He's some pace on him. Yeah, he is. He's got the kind of electric pace that you can't, you know, you can't put a price on that as a winger. Um and I think he's done very well since he's gone to Connacht from, from Munster. I, I did mark him in a game uh, once, I think, either coming off the bench or he came off the bench. And yeah, one of those guys just with that X factor of pace. And um, I think you've seen maybe him, um, his form improving, just getting that repeated game time in Connacht. Mm -hmm. He was probably in and out with Munster. And I think some, 
some players that's all they need before they can kick on again. Yeah, he's done really well since he signed and I think he's he was on loan from Munster to Connacht. But there's been quite a few of those boys that have really flourished in Connacht that like they're getting repeated game time, they're getting opportunities that they weren't getting in other provinces. Yeah, no, it's um it sometimes whether it's the you're not what the coach is looking for or the way the team plays um can be a, a huge factor in, in how you get on and you can get lost in, in the um in your own mind thinking oh you know maybe I'm not good enough or um or whatever and sometimes it's just you're not the right fit for for that team at that time or for that coach and um maybe a move is the best thing that ever happened to you I think there's plenty of stories where it's it's been the best thing um or the opposite but um I think it's Tom, great da- to see. Tom Daly is, is is kind of proven that Tom Daly and and even Sammy Arnold as yeah. well um, two players that have played brilliantly for Connacht, and um, I think it should it shows people that you know it, it's become more normal to move from province to province. But um, even from people to just look look abroad, maybe a little bit earlier. And I know it's easy for me to say after staying in one club, but I think sometimes when the opportunities aren't there, you just need a window. Like when some guys just get one game to impress, and whether it goes well, if it goes badly, they're not in for quite a period of time. Um, you know, can knock the confidence in that. So sometimes moving on where there's more opportunities can be can be the best call and you can see those guys are great examples of that. Yeah. Another man who took a a great opportunity the weekend was Craig Casey. He was involved in that Munster win over Edinburgh. Um he just plays with such energy. I don't know did he get to see a lot of the game, but even when he got sub- substituted off in the seventieth minute, you know, he was sprinting off the field. He just has energy. I actually read a tweet saying that if Craig Casey was given out the vaccines, the whole country would be vaccinated at this stage, that he's just so energetic with everything that he does. Mm. Yeah, he's he he was uh, very lively in that in that Edinburgh game. He scored an important try there, um where he dummied and went just underneath the posts and yeah, as you said, he was sprinting back. He obviously trying to um, prove a point to Andy Farrell that uh, you know he's ready for the Italian game, and yeah, just good to see see young guys coming in like that with with high energy. And I think um, the likes of you know Gavin Coombs and uh, and Casey in Munster, it's 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 great to see Munster producing some really good homegrown guys because you know that's what you want in, in the home provinces across the board. And yeah. on the other end of that, Billy Holland um, getting his two hundred and fortieth cap, I think, is uh, great to see. He's a he's a he's a top bloke and an absolute servant for for Monster. So uh, on on the other end of the spectrum, one one for the old guys. He's he's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he scores many tries, but he's uh, he's definitely a serious operator. It's not all about the young guns. What you're trying to say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, I think he equaled Ronan O'Gara's record, didn't he, of 240 caps? Did he? Was that it? Was I think that so. The I'm not sure who the top one is, but, you know, is there many in Leinster? Alan, I think. Dunica, Dunica, is yeah. it? Yeah. Is um, there many in Leinster with that kind of, those numbers? Uh, yeah, Darce, yeah, Jamie, he, or Darce, yeah, Gordon Darcy and Jamie Heaslip would have been right up there. Yeah. I'm sure Jamie Heaslip probably would have got on for another 50 if he yeah. hadn't have got that back injury. So, yeah. Um, Big yeah, Dev is up there as well. Big Dev would be around there, yeah. yeah. So I think Dev, the only time Dev has been injured his whole career is he, I think it was the morning of a game, he he cut his finger really badly at home. Something, like something felt like, I don't know whether it was on the glass or something like that. And he was fine, he played the game, but like, I think he's only missed, he's only, only missed a handful of games through his whole career. I think in the second row, he's just so durable. So, um, yeah, he's he, some, I think he's, uh, 
he only ever injures people. He doesn't get injured himself. Like never, <laughs> never on the massage beds, never in the physio room. So yeah. he's not one of those guys that's constantly, you know, doing his yoga, taking care of himself, getting his prehab so. in. So like, what so. is it? What's the secret to not he's getting got injured? Whatever you need to, whatever Dad's doing, you bottle it up. Uh, I think his bones are just a different density than <laughs> yeah, ours. Like just, when you're that big, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he's on a different plane to everyone else. So he's just kneeing people, elbowing people, but never taking any. Uh, Damage himself. That's so. it. All the dangerous parts are too high up that people yeah, can't get to. Yeah, it must be it. Must be it. Well, whatever it is, he needs to bottle it and sell it because he's uh, he's been available for his full career, which is unbelievable. That is. That's mental. Um, finally, it's been widely reported that the Jaguars, who reached the Super Rugby final in 2019, are now looking to get involved with the Guinness Pro 14. The proposal from the Argentinian Rugby Union would see the Jaguars based in Bilbao, um, where you guys won the 2018 Champions Cup next season. What do you make of that, the Pro 14 going to the Pro 15 or however many teams they want to bring into this? Yeah, I, well, from my perspective, I think it's, uh, that's the first I've heard of it, but I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, I remember friends asking me what I thought about the South African teams joining and like I was like, it's classic. Like, you get to experience um, new places, playing against uh, different teams. And like I'd never been to South Africa before. And, um, I'd obviously never played against any of the teams. So um, that, that experience alone is class. Um, so I think it's only positive, really, if, if it did happen now, whether it does or not, I have no idea. It'd be a good night out as well for the way trip term. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something a bit different. A little bit better than Rodney Parade. Yeah, slightly better. <laughs> Similar conditions. Slightly better weather as well. Good. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, that's it for part one. We'll take a short break and we will look ahead to round three of the Six Nations. To take you there, here's a little clip of the UK's House of Rugby show as Lee McKenzie, Renata Sean O'Brien and Jonathan Davies with all Blacks legend Jerome Kaino. I just want to say, Sean, are you and Jerome okay? Because I think the last thing that a lot of people will remember is um, basically you coming off worse. Yeah. And it's not often we say that. <laughs> well, I've come off worse than this battle a few times, so I had but that one, yeah, that one was. Uh, I was, I was, I had a little bony fragment floating in my shoulder, and I was like, of all people, I didn't. <laughs> the one person you don't want to hit you <laughs> going into a rook is is Jerome, and uh, yeah, he caught me in the sweet spot that day in the third test, and I was, I was in the change room at half time, going, fucking hell, no, this is me, this is me done for the day because I just had no power left in my arm. But um, yeah, someone you want to be trying to avoid on the field more so than um, I'd rather be playing with him to be fair. Um, <laughs> But we've always had a good catch up afterwards, so there's never there's never been any um, beef, as they say, with us. Jerome, how do you remember it? I think I almost did more damage to it after the game because I felt so bad. Uh, I saw him <laughs> in the sling, and I was just like, man, I'm so sorry, I didn't. Because uh, I I'd known before that he had problems with his shoulder, and then seeing him in the sling after the game, I was like, oh man. Yeah. Sorry, mate. I don't think the slings stayed on too long, Jerome. I think the, uh, <laughs> I think the next day there's a picture of me with Kyle Sinclair. I don't think I had a sling on anyway. <laughs> I don't think I saw the sling on at the hotel later on. No, no. <laughs> I think it was. I think the few points helped me to, to num- numb the pain. Foxy, have you managed to stay out of trouble when it comes to Jerome? Do you just uh, run the opposite way in the backs? Um, well, I tried my very best for years, but I think um, <laughs> one test in Cardiff, I think um, Aaron Smith gets penalised, and I st- try to get the ball off. Him and he's like trying. He's, he's keeping hold of it. And I start like pushing him because he's the smallest guy in the pitch. And then I just feel this big fist grab me on the shirt. He says, "Don't touch him." I was like, "No problem whatsoever. I won't touch him." <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I, I didn't get uh, badly uh, injured as Shawnee, thankfully. <laughs> 
I, I remember that. Uh, there's a funny story to that. Earlier on that year, uh, I think Aaron got roughed up by a couple of second rolls uh, from the Springboks, and uh, we, re- we reviewed that game, and uh, Steve Hansen was just like, there's so many Fords standing around Aaron, and you guys let this happen. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> no, he didn't mean like throw punches or anything. So uh, when that happened, I was like, yeah. this is my chance to yeah, make up for it. <laughs> yeah, there's no second rows, just a, a pasty Welsh bird there for one of them. So happy days. <laughs> well, I never like those situations anyway. I, I like to conserve no. my energy and stand, stand back a bit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, had to look after my halfback. House of Rugby Ireland. Tell us what you think by comment and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Sean O'Brien was there talking about Jerome Kano leaving him in a heap during the Lions All Blacks third test in 2017. When it comes to the hardest you've ever been tackled, what instantly jumps to mind, James? Um, we, I, I think Sean needs a fact checker with some of the stories he's coming out with uh, that I've heard. The shoops, people talking about yeah, that, story, like, that story with the shoots never happened. <laughs> never like, happened. I was never, in Leinster. I'm, I'm sure it and also, happened. him saying that people from Dublin didn't know where Tullow was is also incorrect. So yeah. A few tall tales going on there. Yeah, it wouldn't be like him to let the truth get in the way of a good story. But, <laughs> you guys uh, are both from Kildare. You shouldn't have anything about that. <sighs> exactly. Sure, I was in the part <laughs> yeah. of the time. I was like, that did not happen. But yeah. anyway, a bit of salt and pepper in the story. You're looking for headlines. Yeah, I reckon mine is, uh, I was actually me tackling uh, someone. So... We were playing against Northampton, and uh, uh, Courtney Laws, like he he put in a few like late shots and tens, and you know I was looking and been like, oh, I'm gonna come on, absolutely whack this lad, like looks a bit of a beanpole, like never played against. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, come like hitting hitting the small sides on the pitch, like I'm gonna absolutely melt him. Anyway, come on the pitch and. Uh, Ball's coming off the edge and like it was it was going to ten and you could see it was going to ten was gonna play it to him. So I'm like, right, I have like this is perfect. Ball's gonna be there for ages, I'm gonna get full steam at him and uh literally hit him with everything I had and I genuinely reckon he didn't even know I touched him like he just like <laughs> dropped his hip into me and I was like in a heap on the ground and like physio comes over and like my arm is like stuck in this position twitching and he's like yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, play on there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, gee, I don't think I can here. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, you'll be all right. But uh, it was definitely a humbling one. Uh, thinking I could whack him, but he genuinely steamrolled me with his hit. It was like a little flick of the ribs. Like, G, G's got a bit of a habit of that because so Gareth, we call him G. He's our head physio and has been for years. He's a top guy and great physio. But um, for medics coming on, obviously at times, there's so much going on between people down looking for water and all the rest. Obviously, initially they come and they want to make make sure or see why the players and what's wrong. But I was playing. I played against. Um, it was against Glasgow years ago. I think it was the final of of the Pro 14 in 2000 and 2013, maybe or 14. I'm not sure. I can't remember which one. But uh, I hit someone in a tackle on, on my right side, and it just didn't feel right afterwards. And it was like I felt my face, and there was blood coming in the side of my face. And I felt my ear, and my ear was like, it was like hanging on by the bottom of my ear, which is obviously pretty horrible. And the feeling of it is like, oh, Jesus. So G comes on, and he, 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 he like kind of grabs me by the face and looks at me and goes, um, what, what's wrong with you? And I was like, G, my, my ear is hanging <laughs> off my head. Like, can you, not, can you not see that? The blood just squirting out the side of my head. But, um, Did he just tape you up? Is that where the headband came from? He just taped me up, yeah. So I played on, and then... Um, 
I got it stitched like 30 internal God. and external stitches. So from then on, I just had to, had to wear the headband every week. And was that a, a big blow, big tackle, one of your biggest hits, or was it just like... Oh, a, sorry, you know? that was... I actually just veered off there for that, talking about Gareth, but the biggest hit was probably also actually when I tried to hit someone. So I tried to hit a guy against Edinburgh. He made a long break, a guy called Damien Hoyland, and he changed direction at the last second, and I was in a position to hit him quite hard, and because he changed direction, my... I hit him kind of here and went went up. It was a high tackle, in fairness, and it, it, it didn't look great. But um, my when I hit him, my jaw hit his shoulder. So I was out cold almost before I, I hit the ground. So I definitely came out of that tackle a little bit worse than he did. Probably one of those seasons in my time, the thing, you like, you were always uh, hit of the year. It was a highlight reel of you and Issa just whacking lads. <laughs> I think Jerome Kanan was playing club rugby in Japan when you played the All Blacks in 2012. Did you ever come across him in club rugby for Toulouse? Uh, I didn't, but Tracy actually would have uh, when we were, you, we were playing them over the last couple of seasons when Jerome Kanan uh, went there. Because we, we played them in a three-test tour in New Zealand and Kano wasn't there at the time. He, well, he wasn't in the All Blacks team at the time. It was, it was um, McCaw... Liam Messam and Kieran Reid. So um, thankfully he wasn't involved at that stage. But uh, James would probably tell you what, because he, he played against Leinster and was extremely good in a couple of games. But Yeah, we, we, I would have played against him um, a couple of times. But like, um, yeah, he's obviously a, a freak. But um, we were we probably had a lot of possession when we beat them in the RDS uh, when he would have been playing. So he uh, probably wouldn't have featured as much. But... Um, yeah, they have a, like, a huge pack and he's definitely like one of their, their talisman. He also spoke about how much of a base fee the All Blacks players get for Test Week. He says they'd get the equivalent of £4,000. That pales in comparison <coughs> to the English players who get around £17,000. Like, how much are players motivated by money? Um, I think players are motivated by money to an extent. I think you'd be lying if you said... They weren't. Uh, I think, listen, it's, it's a business at the end of the day from both sides, you know, whether it's Leinster or whether it's the players. Um, you know, you're putting a lot on the line, you know, you're in terms of, you know, your body every week in terms of training and games. So um, there's a price and the, the, the price comes with the money that you earn. It, it is funny that some unions pay more than, than, than others. Obviously, the RFU just generate an awful lot more money and they're in a position to pay guys. But when you hear the difference in in uh, match fees there, it's pretty astonishing. Especially for the really. All Blacks, like is it just more the pride of the Jersey then? Yeah, I'd be surprised now if that was, like if they were getting a bit more <laughs> on the side. Um, but yeah, I, I, they definitely commercially, I think uh, being an All Black would definitely be pretty lucrative, I'd say, and, and um, they probably get it back in other ways. But yeah, as you said, it's, it's not necessarily fair um, how it's done, but uh, yeah, I think it's for exciting. It's probably done on, on or definitely done on, on the the revenue that uh, that each country is making from it. So that's how they can afford to to pay a bit more. But I don't think anyone would be complaining if they're getting as much as the English players are getting. No, absolutely not. So James, we'll come on to you and talk about you and your rugby career. Um, from talking to Fergus earlier, he seems to have a database of stories on you. Mm. Have you come prepared with some stories to tell about him? 
Uh, we heard he was the, an altar, yeah. <laughs> don't, an don't altar listen. boy. She's trying to turn us against each other yeah, here. True, no, I've got no, <laughs> an angel got altar boy, Fergal. <laughs> I know. Uh, nothing, no, no, nothing too bad. I want nothing. Uh, Ferg's always been. Um, he, he was always one of the kind of guys who would have been sound to the the younger lads and uh, put an arm around you. Um, well, you're, you're, not, not, you're not that much younger, yeah. man. You're so, so this story is actually a lie. You're only three years younger. Yeah, yeah, relax. Yeah. Oh, you're it's way younger. Uh, way sound. It's where you just after coming out of the academy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was talking about the young know, boys. I've had serious crack of Ferg over the years, and um, in the trenches, on and off the field, uh, no better man. You played at uh, Loosehead as well. When did you switch to hooker? Or why did you switch to hooker? Um, so played Loosehead, yeah, all the way up. Uh, in and I was third year academy, and I just didn't have the frame to be honest. And and Joe Schmidt uh, pulled me into the office and just said that um, did I have any aspiration of kind of kicking on and you know hoping to play for Ireland or anything like that? And I obviously said I did. So he just said I think you should try moving to hooker and. Um, that was it, just started throwing the next day and um, went from there really. Uh, probably had a barren period. So I know we were talking about earlier about you know guys moving and it been a good thing. It was probably good that I didn't move and didn't get uh, pushed in or a chance, not that I didn't deserve a chance, but uh, you know that I wasn't kind of uh, trialed too early because it, it did probably take me three or four years before I felt properly comfortable playing, you know, like first kind of two years of any time the ball kicked out I was kind of like oh, <laughs> yips oh no yeah. oh no like you know having to go over and thing but um, you just get confident then with it and, and, and the more you practice and all that but um, yeah it was definitely it took me a while to get used to it but it was you know clearly the the best decision that, that could happen so very grateful, grateful to him for that. Absolutely. You both are Kildare men. We won't talk about the GA in Kildare, <coughs> but how big is the rugby scene now in Kildare? I suppose a lot of it comes from the school's rugby side of things. Yeah, huge. Um, you know, Newbridge College uh, doing the double, uh, the Corona double, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is is huge for, for the school because, you know... Phantom we, double. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They, did they share the actual trophy? It never got played. I don't know, we'll, we'll just take the win. Yeah, you'll uh, take it. You'll take um, it. But, yeah, no, like in, and the school has come such a long way and, and, and credit to, where credit's due um, to, uh, to Pob, the principal, and, and um, to, you know, to... All the John Owen and um, all the backroom staff, like there's too many to, to list off, and Johnny Murphy and um, Dave Brew and, and all who would have been there when I was there, and they've done such an amazing job um, on building and the school into what it is now, and actual contenders in, in the in the senior cup, and um, I have to mention Nace Rugby Club as well. It would have been where I started off. Um, and you know would would call my home club. Um, they, they were brilliant to me all the way through, and um, even Dave had a like a, a serious jump up the ranks in, in in the last few years, and it's it's brilliant to see. And um, all the kind of lads now are finishing up or going there instead of going to to Dublin clubs, which is great. Yeah, really good. How important is the school system or clubs like Nace, I suppose, for the development of Leinster rugby? Oh, they're key. I think you know the the guys that come into the the fact that Leinster can can pick the guys they want from from the Leinster Schools Senior Cup and just bring them into their academies. Some of them are, you know, almost ready-made pros in the way they, you know, prepare every week and the way they train and the way they live. Um, you know, uh, the academy system has always been, been great in Leinster, but I, I do think that they do have a massive advantage because the school system 
in Ireland is very good, but it's the best in in Leinster. You know, there's no yeah. it, there's no real argument there about that. So, um, very very lucky for Leinster to be able to pick up those guys. And I, I do think it's good though to see um, guys still breaking through from the youths. You know, you um, you have a really um, a really good centre from from Nace who's just breaking through. Um, Jamie Osborne, uh, you know, and, and uh, James just talk about Nace there. Just it's encouraging to see those guys breaking through because uh, people forget that in the schools, within the schools rugby, they're playing, they're training um, on the pitch four times a week and then a game at the weekend, and that they could be doing two or three gym sessions. Whereas the youth guys go to school, they might play Gaelic football, but then they they train twice a week. So. To see those talents still coming through, you know, you've got some, you know, rich history of great youth guys that have that have come through, the likes of Sean O'Brien and and Tyg Furlong and others. So it's good to see another another bright light coming out. And is there is there ridiculous rivalry among those clubs, you know, in Kildare, or would you be friendly then? Would a lot of them playing in Nace rugby clubs? So would you play your club rugby together and then go off in completely different schools teams then? Sorry, what, what do you... Just, would there be rivalry among the, the schools, like huge rivalry among those schools, or would, you know, would you play club rugby together in Ace Rugby Club and you're all, you know, it's friendly rivalry? Um, yeah, it's friendly. Well, it depends who it is. Like, it's definitely lads I've hated over yeah. the years, but there's a lot of lads, like, you just get over it, really, especially when you leave school. Like, I never understand people who carry that on, you know. Like, you, you find people you probably hate on the pitch end up in someone you'd be really good mates with once you get to know them, because... You probably hate them because one they're probably good, and the other is that they're probably more like you than you realize. Like you're probably yeah. not the nicest person. You to and Gilly get sided like huh? you, you and Gilly. Yeah, me and Gilly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guillotine. Yeah. Connor Gilson and <coughs> was in Leinster and then he moved over to London Irish. But he would you lads would have played against each other. In yeah, school, yeah, we locked horns a few times. So, so uh, you would have hated him initially and then got no, to I didn't hate Gilly, but Jesus, uh, <laughs> plenty of lads in his team I did hate though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's. Uh, He's a great leader and, and, a, and a great lad, and um, I would have lived him, had good crack him over the years. But um, yeah, you have rivalries, you school rivalries. There's actually a fella, Paul Mullen. Um, I'm actually not sure what he's up to now, but I played against him um, uh, in school, and we were digging the head off each other in, uh, in a game in Newbridge College, and uh, went to Ireland under 18's camp. I was rooming with him like that, <laughs> that like honestly the, the most awkward thing ever. It? Like he was there first, and uh, especially because you don't know. I don't know about you guys, but you never know who you get until like you open the door and you're like, oh, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so I just went in, put the bag down. It was pretty like round two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was uh, that was a funny one. But yeah, again, like he got over it then, and like it was probably the best thing that happened to us. We laughed about it and got yeah. on with it. But uh, he would have held a grudge for life otherwise. No, no. Uh, I think he poked the head off me again. And the next time, <laughs> I, it. I didn't hold a grudge anyway. Put manners on you. No, you're <laughs> definitely not holding grudge. Um, you played in the 2011 Junior World Cup um, or World Championship, and there was some it was a great there was some great lads on that team. Yeah, I think pretty much the whole um, starting fifteen went professional, um, and we probably we definitely underperformed for the for the team we had. But um, yeah, we had, we had a great team. Um, like so Furlong, Marmion, Jackson, yeah, Mackin. Yeah, Ian Henderson, um, Conway, like Names. it was yeah, um, Luke Marshall. Yeah, li- literally like the Turner Halloran. Like there was there was so many. Um, so many top top end lads, so um, great crack we had, but we we definitely underperformed, um, which is definitely a regret. But um, yeah, everyone kicked on and, and did well. Yeah, 
Leinster rugby, I suppose everyone, everyone, you, can't, you actually can't watch a game without someone saying like, you know, the Leinster rugby production line or the Leinster rugby conveyor belt of talent coming through. And it is the case in almost every position. There's four top quality, if not more, hookers in that Leinster squad. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, <laughs> great for the coaches. Um, but yeah, like it's it seems to be, um, well, they were going through a good period. I, I, like I think everyone ebbs and flows um, club-wise and, and with the with the player pool that comes in. But yeah, definitely in, in hooker at the minute, it would be uh, be nicer if it wasn't as competitive. Yeah. But um, yeah, listen, it keeps us all of us on our toes and uh, without giving you a boring answer, like it's... I understand how hungry they are because I was in their shoes not that long ago, and, um, and they're they're talented lads. In fairness, so um, it it really does like get, gets you out of bed in the morning, so it keeps you keeps you hungry. Does it mean you have to be like you have to have your A game every single time you step onto that field? Yeah, well, like I don't try to have a bad game ever really, but uh, but even yeah, every it just means you do. the the consequences are just like greater, um, I suppose, than if you were uh, you know nailed down with no one behind you. Um, so yeah, so it just means like you're, you know, if you have a bad game, like you know it's coming, like you know that the Grim Reaper is coming on Monday morning to <laughs> yeah. let you know. You're not well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We spoke about that last week, Ferg avoiding avoiding Leo. Yeah. yeah, I was saying about dodging him sometimes if I knew he was going to not pick me and just go for a bit of a longer walk around the gym. When I yeah, the lads who laps at the gym on a, on a Monday morning trying to avoid eye contact, yeah. but um, lads jumping into cupboards and stuff. But yeah, I think that in Leinster that. That culture is, is has come in, particularly probably when Stuart arrived, about you know training at a certain intensity that you should be ready for the games. You know it's obviously just it's contact, but at times, cardio wise, you'd definitely be it would be tougher in, in Stuart sessions than some matches, and that's where the environment he tries to create, so that when you do get your opportunity, you can go well and. Um, you know, it, it, it's tricky though because if some guys are trying to break in and um, they get their one window and it doesn't go too well, there's so many players, you know, James just said there's four hookers, four international standard hookers there at the moment. Like one of the guys has a bad game, they might not get back in for a month. So it, that can be the frustrating thing about it. Yeah. Um, some bad news after we did the podcast last week because we broke about Dan Levy having his surgery. Um, how good it, I suppose, are you guys as a squad for him having to go back and have surgery and miss the remain, remainder of the season. Yeah, absolutely devastated for him. He's a he's a really good friend of mine, and um, I don't think you know, like no one wants to see someone close to them um, have any sort of setbacks or or adversity. But um, he's it's it's you know it's it's uh, nowhere near as bad as the as the last thing that he's he's already come through. So. Um, He's just about him stomaching the the process of getting through it, and no better man to to like to get back and um, play really well. I actually think his his last game against Scarlets, like it's not as if he went off injured, you know. And I think that's kind of like shows you the level of it. It wasn't a catastrophic injury this time around, um, but I think I thought he was brilliant. It's probably the best he's been since he's he's been back. So uh, at least he knows now he can get back to that level and um, be excited to see him you know, get back. You know, in a green shirt in the future as well. Yeah, hopefully. And was he really diligent with his return to play and his like everything that he take every box along the way? Yeah, well, I suppose um, I, I I was still in the squad when Dan was coming back, and the, you know the injury happened. I think it was something like in around eighteen, 18 months before months, yeah. that, and and you know that horrific injury did pick up against Ulster in the Aviva um, that day, and and you know. Sure, there was some tough conversations had for Dan with specialists and all the rest as to whether 
he was going to be able to get back. But honestly, that coming back from that injury, from as far as my whole career, any seeing anyone come back from injuries was the most impressive comeback I've ever seen. Um, you know, he he didn't mope about the place. He just got back once he he got the operation. He just got back on with it. He he had just missed out on uh, a World Cup. Um, as well, which he definitely would have gone yeah. to and probably been one of the best players at it and would have been such an important player for Ireland. But uh, yeah, as James said there, um, it's great to see him you know, getting back to himself. It was always going to take, take a couple of months um, and I think that his form was really picking up. So um, thankfully this is just something minor he's going to get done and, and I've no doubt he'll play for Ireland again. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to talking about playing for Ireland, um, you six caps for Ireland, but haven't played a test since 2017. How encouraged were you to get called back into that Six Nations squad um, last autumn? Lots of competition, but you're still targeting that green jersey. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's so close, so far away. Like the, um, I think you know, like if you if you're starting for any of the provinces, like you're within touching distance of it, and and uh, that's like the main focus really um is, is to try to be starting for Leinster and um if you're starting for Leinster you're in with a like a serious shout of, of um of getting an opportunity so um try try focus on that and, and uh anytime you get called in it's, it's a huge honor and, and uh genuinely you know cherish every time you get it uh, the um Nogut's always telling me about his omelets in the in the shower. In the shower, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you got to cherish the yeah. uh, cherish the good times while you have them. That's what it's for. You got your first cap back in against um, Canada, and um, the week after they beat the All Blacks. What was that week like? Uh, getting your first cap, you know, with the squad on a high. What kind of environment was it like? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was obviously like everyone who you asked that question is. It's it's like. Surreal feeling and it's class. Um, well, it was pretty uh, like a uh, fall from grace at the end of the week. We were doing our uh, pitch session, about to like pack, bags were already packed, ready to go to um, to Chicago to for the game or whatever. And uh, like as the f- pitch session finished, uh, Conor Murray like a bit of a tight calf or whatever. So they changed their plans on who they were bringing as a, a reserve, and uh, I got a tap on the shoulder and like. Oh. Uh, yeah, you're actually going home now, not going to Chicago. So uh, Did they? Uh, have a good weekend. Uh, and you were due to, due to go otherwise. You due to go over, yeah. Oh for my the god! So, uh, but 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 Connor was actually fine for the match. He was fine, yeah. yeah you need yeah. to take that up with him. Yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> need to take it up with him. Uh, Missed know. the best night out. Shout out right yeah, now, yeah, yeah, Connor Murray. Them, like over with the yeah oh, yeah. It was the ball in the balls and all that sort of thing. And they just won the World Series. I know, as well, yeah. Was before like, that, yeah, yeah. So uh, cheers, Mur. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that one. Plus. It would have been a cool experience, but sure, yeah, it was a good fall from grace. But no, I did the the first cap was was uh, was class. And it must have been slightly tainted though after that week. Like that's hard. Oh, to I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, room a week. I don't know. It, like it's part. You seem like, to have gotten over it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just <laughs> not chipping shoulder. Anything, no, I haven't carried on. But um, like that's that's where we've really though. Like life in general, it it uh, humbles you fairly quickly. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, we'll get on to our Six Nations preview. Um, Italy versus Ireland at the weekend. Andy Farrell says he will go with the strongest possible team that he thinks could beat Italy. Do you still think that there'll be a lot of changes to the squad? Um, I think I said this on the, on the last show that um, because there's probably been a few forced changes in a few positions, um, he'll probably might try and get a bit of consistency because yeah. the level of performances probably haven't been where 
he would have wanted them to get to. So, but I would like to see him try try a few guys, um, try a few guys out there, give a few guys opportunities. Um, you know, if you've got the likes of a Craig Casey in there, you know, this is the first opportunity. You know, if you're going to put him in the extended Six Nations squad, why not? This is the time to maybe use him, and maybe if you if you have him on the bench. Um, or you use him, or else, or else yeah. give him a start. You know, I think give him a start maybe with 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 Johnny, um, and, and Johnny could kind of, um, you know, lead him through the week um, as the halfback pairing. I think that would be a nice thing to see. But but otherwise, um, I'm sure it'll be injury dependent as well. It's about how the bodies have gotten through from that French game. It was a bruising encounter, and and how the guys went this week. But um, yeah, there's a few there's a few interesting selection calls. I'm sure we'll see. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of talk this week about um, Mike Katz's influence of the attack play. And Andy Farrell is now 14 months in, the, in you know, Ireland, and now 14 months under Andy Farrell. What are we looking for in attack from the Irish squad? Tries. Like, yeah. like that's at the end of the day, uh, we're in the entertainment business. And um, like, like we all, all just want to, um, you know, like that's what Ireland are setting up to do is to try score tries. But uh, international defences are, are, are very good. So it is very hard to, to score tries. So um, I think any team goes out to um, put on a good show and um, try to play the most exciting brand they can. It's not simple, like you said, the defensive lines, there's very little gaps, there's very little mistakes made these days. Like what, so what do Lens to do? What are teams looking at? Like how are they planning to get over? It's not just, you know, it can't just be gain line, gain line, gain line and go the whole length of the pitch. What, like what are teams trying to do these days? Well, the defence has changed, uh, it's evolved over the last kind of, what would you say, like four years, it's kind of gone from that having your nine kind of sweeping them behind the line to wingers up high and two in the backfield instead of three, which means it's it's a lot harder to yeah. to run the ball and, and you you probably have to kick the ball a bit more, like attacking kicks and um I think uh like that that's an area where teams kinda have to attack by kicking the ball and that's that's probably frustrating to watch as a uh, as a supporter but that's the reason why um teams do kick so much and when you get into um into the twenty two it's just been efficient then and Tightening it up, and again, it's not the prettiest thing to watch, but um, it's the percentage plays, and, and that's that's what wins games. Finally, news from France today that Julian Marchaud and Arthur Vincent are the latest players to test positive for COVID-19. That comes hot on the heels of the other cases, including Antoine Dupont. That's five players now out of the Scotland game next weekend. That surely, you know, has the potential to open up the championship after hearing those players missing from the squad. Yeah, it'd be a huge blow for them, um, and you also don't know, you know, how many close contacts within the squad those mm -hmm. guys will affect as well, because if they're playing by the book, you can be sure there's a couple of guys that, that might be taken out as well. Um, so yeah, very disappointing for the French because they were flying, um, but it's just what the Scots need after getting beaten by Wales. So yeah, I think we talked before the championship started, and we talked about you know, probably. England and France, and we were a bit predictable with who we thought would would go well and win it. But um, it's just such an open championship, so it's it's made things even more exciting, even in a, a peculiar way. Yeah, I think people will definitely be tuning into that, just because people will obviously based on Scotland's performances up until now, but also you know that's given them an extra opportunity to beat the French, which you know it's just making it more interesting. Yeah, like you said, you're putting on a show for people a week in, week out. Yeah, so both of those sides are uh, they play an unbelievable brand, but. Um 
you know, like the the French try against Ireland, that Peno uh, finished off, or um, you know, like Finn Russell is he's, he's you know he, he can pull passes and kicks. Um, Stuart Hogg in the form half, of his life. Yeah, Stuart Hogg. Yeah, he's, he's, he's beaten I think like fifteen defenders or something like that, and so far in the competition. So um, yeah, it'll be a good one for the neutrals um, to watch. So excited to see it. Absolutely. So cheers to everybody for watching and listening today. A big thank you to producer Pat, Paul, Dermot, Anthony and everyone that helped in getting this show together. This has been House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe Slongafoe. House of Rugby Ireland here on Joe. Game changed.